Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. This is your host, John Nick Pollock, for I think the third time this week. Boy, that's a lot of hearing my voice. I feel sorry for you all. I am joined tonight by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Bill DeFilippo. Bill, how you doing? I feel sorry for everyone that they have to listen to you too, Nick. But I'm yeah. doing well. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I really got to, you know, flex my flex my vocals on that solo podcast I did earlier in the week. That was an interesting experience. Have you ever done a solo pod? Um, I don't think so. I've thought about like, you know, we get, we get into those boring weeks during the off season or like we get to a, you know, a week where Penn state beats up on an FCS team or a really yeah. bad G5 team. And it's like, are we going to do a podcast? No, the only, I'm the only person who has like the free time to do it this week. And I've thought about it, but no, nah, no, I've, I've never actually done it. It, se- it seems like it's a lot of rambling off into just rambling at a computer and i don't know if i could i could do that without someone on the other end of it 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 was certainly a a slightly lonely experience that's to be sure um we thankfully we're not alone tonight we're here with each other um we're going to preview illinois obviously that's why you're here but we're actually going to start today before we get into illinois as i've mentioned on the last couple podcasts there's this uh, q a feature on spotify that i just noticed the other day and uh, we've had some people that have been uh, using it so we're going to start off with actually one of those q a questions and the first one we're going to go with here bill is a question about drew aller and sean clifford the question is with Drew Aller's continued success to this point, of course, do you think that the Sean Clifford haters were right last year? Or is it too soon to tell, or are we all just overreacting? So, what is this question ultimately asking? It is ultimately asking, because Sean Clifford was able to get Penn State to 10 wins in the regular season and a win in the Rose Bowl. What this question, whether it's directly meaning to ask it, indirectly not meaning to ask, whatever, would Drew Aller have helped Penn State beat Ohio State and or Michigan? And I ultimately think the answer is no. And uh, the big reason why is I think throwing a true freshman into those situations probably wouldn't have been in his best interest. We've seen, uh, you know, for how good Aller looks... It's very hard for a true freshman to look excellent in that situation, but it's really easy for them to look bad and have that sort of thing really derail them. And I look to a guy like uh, the person who fought with Auer for the number one spot in his quarterback class, Cade Klubnik, who didn't always look great last season when thrown into games for Clemson. And then this year, uh, he bounced back with a good, decent performance against Charleston Southern uh, last week, but didn't. He looked awful in their season yeah. opening loss against Duke. So that's part of it. Like I, I just think they did a good job holding Aller's hand and getting him to this point. And I don't necessarily think that the Drew Hour we saw, we've seen so far this year, Nick, is the Drew Hour we would have seen last year. And kind of the big reason that I believe that. Is because there are three people who, as far as I could tell, believed that. Believed that this Drew Hour is only this Drew Hour because of what Lasher's Drew Hour was. And those three people are James Franklin, Mike Yurcich, and Drew Hour. Mm-hmm. James Franklin and Mike Yurcich had to sit down and decide whether or not they thought bringing Sean Clifford back for a sixth season 
would be the best thing for their program and the best thing for Drew Aller. And ultimately, they decided to do this. Drew Aller, if he thought he could start day one and that would be the best thing for him, he didn't need to go to Ohio State. Uh, he didn't need to go to Penn State. He could have gone to any school in America and ultimately decided for Penn State. And that's taking a year, which he has been very vocal about, about sitting behind Sean Clifford and kind of learning habits, learning how to be a starting quarterback from him, was crucial to getting him to where he is now. So if those three guys think that is the case, maybe you maybe you kind of play devil's advocate here, but why would I think anything other than what those three guys think was the best thing for Drew Aller? Yeah, I mean, I... I agree with you, but you know, for the sake of the sake of the conversation, I'm happy to play devil's advocate here. I'll take on the role of Matt Filipovitz here. Um, I I think the point where the point of saying you know there's no guarantee that what we see right now from Drew Aller we could, could have gotten last year, and that you don't want to throw a freshman into the the environments of Michigan and Ohio State. I think those are totally totally valid, and I very much agree. Um, I guess if you if you wanted to make the argument the other way though, you could say you know he would have had plenty of uh, games prior to that to ramp up and get into it. So, you know, sure. who knows what he could have looked like had he had four or five, six games worth. I don't remember where in the season exactly those games fell last year, but um, how could he have looked if he had had the benefit of playing the non-con games, you know, gotten a chance to ramp up, all that stuff. But, um, you know, ultimately, I very much agree. I think, you know, like he's, Drew Aller has said repeatedly, like he feels like he is in a position to succeed this year thanks to what he learned from Sean Clifford last year. And uh, I don't see a scenario last year where, like I don't think Sean Clifford would have come back had he not thought he would have been starting. So I don't really see how there would have been a scenario last year where Drew Aller plays the entire season and Sean Clifford sitting on the sidelines. So I, I think that, you know, it's, it is a perfectly valid question to wonder, right. you know, in hindsight, I think about, you know, what last year could have been not that last year was by any means a failure. It was a wonderful season. Um, but I think for the health of, you know, the offense and for drew Aller and for the continued success of the program, I think, that, I think they did the right thing and they set a really mm-hmm. good, you know, precedent going forward for that. They can show any other quarterbacks that come in with the type of hype that Drew Aller had. They can, you know, really clearly point to last year and be like, Hey, even if you're not the guy, this is exactly what your development can look like. This is a way we can still use you and get you ready for the game. Mm-hmm. So when you do take over that role, you're ready to go right away. So I think there's only advantages to the way mm-hmm. that they did handle it. And, and something I think is important to mention here, Nick, is that, they had the golden opportunity to say, all right, Drew, it's your time, it's your team, it's your program, after Penn State lost to Ohio State. They then went yeah. to a game at Indiana, a game at home against Maryland, at Rutgers, game at home against Michigan State, four teams that they they probably could have won. I, I won't say definitely. Probably, possibly, very likely, whatever you want to say, would have won with Drew Auer playing okay. And they still thought the best thing for Drew Aller was to have Sean Clifford start those games and just give Drew a series, two, three series, whatever it was with the ones. So yeah. I, I, I think it's important that's important to bring up because you are the person that you are today because of the stuff that happened in the past. And we don't know what Drew Aller would be if he starts 
game one against Purdue and goes through the schedule, takes his lumps, all that sort of thing. But what we do know is that Penn State's coaching staff, Andrew Aller, thought that he would be this guy if Sean Clifford came back last season as a sixth-year starter, started every single game, and they got Drew Aller into games in very specific spots. So that's why I ultimately think, you know, to to, to answer the question the way it was phrased, um, I, 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 I don't think the Clifford haters were right. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's an overreaction. I think it's important to say the question was, think Clifford haters were right? Too soon to tell or were all overreacting. I don't think it's necessarily overreacting to look at Aller and go, well, Jesus Christ, what if we had this guy last year? But we only have this guy this year because of what he had la- he did last year and how yeah. he was brought along last year. And I think that's a really important thing to bring up in this conversation. One that, you know, like we said, it's very fair to wonder because he's been out of this world so far to start the year. Bill, have you seen the uh, the new Flash movie? I guess it's not that new anymore, but... Nick, you, you know well enough to know I don't watch superhero movies. It's It sounded very much like you were trying to quote, uh, I don't even, I think it was the Ben Affleck version of Bruce Wayne talking about how the the, the, the mistakes and all that stuff of our past define who we are going forward. Um, but that's fine. Don't watch it. It's a terrible movie. Uh, Something you, you, that has been- If there's been, one thing you don't have to worry about, Nick, it is that I will not watch a superhero movie. There are some good ones. You should. Something that has been not quite as terrible as the Flash movie, but still not great, is the Illinois Fighting Illini season mm-hmm. thus far. Uh, Illinois on the season is 1-1. One one. They have a 30-28 to 28 win over Toledo that required a game-winning field goal with five seconds left to pull out that win. And then they had a Week 2 34-23 loss to Kansas in which they were actually down 34-7 late in the third quarter, so it was probably a bit worse than the final score would actually indicate. Um, the Illini this year, it's pretty much just been the Luke Altmyer show. He's 37 to 54 for 408 passing on the year, three to three touchdown to interception ratio. He's also leading the team in rushing 22 carries for 139 yards. That's 6.4 yards on the ground total and two touchdowns. Um, Reggie Love, the third is their second leading back 20 rushes for 108. Isaiah Williams leading the receivers, 11 receptions, 150 yards, standout defensive tackle. Johnny Newton has two sacks on the air. Miles Scott and Xavier Scott, not related in the defensive backfield, have 12 and 13 tackles. Each have a pick. Miles has a pick six. So there are some bright spots personnel-wise for the Illini, but overall it's been a bit rough. Through those two games, they have averaged allowing 477.5 yards to their opponents. This is a, at least through two games, Bill, this is a stark, stark contrast to the defense that we saw a year ago. Yeah, and a, a an interesting thing about the Illini, obviously, when you lose guys like Devin Witherspoon, like Sidney Brown, uh, yeah. Chase Brown at th- in running back, but uh, especially those two guys in your defensive backfield, your team's going to have to str- going to struggle to replace them. Uh, not even necessarily because you don't have guys who can replace them; it's just guys like that are that good. Mm-hmm. So. That's obviously part of it, but the thing that's been so interesting to me in the bits that I've watched about Illinois, and this is something that they talked about in the preseason, is that when you think of a Burt Bielema, or Brett Bielema team, sorry, a Burt, yes. <laughs> Flip uh, did the exact a, same thing. There we go. When you think of a Brett Bielema team, you think of, they have seven big old offensive linemen, they have a quarterback, they have a fullback, they have a running back, they have a tight end, they're going to just try and push you around, and 
with Altmaier coming in, uh, Altmaier is a uh, former blue chip prospect who originally started his collegiate career uh, at Ole Miss before transferring up to uh, transferring up to Champaign uh, recently. Uh, they've been trying to spread teams out a little bit more. Like you mentioned, it has been the Luke Altmaier show, and that's come that that has meant that they've put the ball in the air 54 times. I don't have the numbers on how many designed runs they've had out of Altmaier, but 54 times for him compared to 35 rushes for their two leading running backs. And that's just not something you expect out of Bielema's teams. So as we've started this season and we've gotten these little bits of data points, they've looked to me like a team that, one, lost NFL guys on defense. They have other NFL guys on their defense. Johnny Newton is going to be a top, you know, top half of the first round pick. Keith Randolph is an excellent, excellent defensive lineman mm-hmm. as well. But they still lost two incredibly good NFL caliber players in Devin Witherspoon and Sidney Brown, Nick. And then at the offensive side of the ball, they just look like a team that is going through a massive overhaul. And when that sort of thing happens, there are going to be bumps in the road, like struggling against Toledo uh, to really run them off the field. And having just absolutely nothing for Kansas, albeit on the road against a good Kansas team that is led by one of the most underrated players in the country and their starting quarterback, Jalen Daniels, but still yes. a Kansas team that you would hope Illinois could push around a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting that they're they're kind of doing the same thing that Wisconsin and I guess to a lesser degree Iowa are doing, that they're, you know, they're trying to change on offense. Like they're trying to evolve a little bit, but it's, you know, it's not something that could happen overnight. So you're kind of just left with a more spread out offense. And then, but you still want to keep kind of the fundamentals mm-hmm. of your power run game that you've had, but with everything more spread out, there's, you know, fewer holes to run through things that clogged up easier. It, it kind of feels like it's a similar thing that's happening to all three of those teams. Yeah. And and, and one quick thing I, I want to mention, uh, you brought up that they got a last minute field goal to beat Toledo, which obviously is a thing that happened. It's worth mentioning uh, 2.16 left in the fourth quarter, fourth and four in their 31-yard line. Uh, Altmaier drops back, just hucks up a bomb to Casey Washington. The Toledo defensive back does about as good as he can, but Washington is able to just go up for a rebound and get that football. So you you mentioned it was close and they needed a field goal to beat Toledo. They also needed to convert a fourth and four on a 50-50 ball that their, that their gigantic wide receiver uh, barely came down with uh, against a guy who plays for Toledo to beat Toledo. So uh, th- this season could have started off much, much uglier for them. And we're talking about an 0-2 Illini team uh, that lost at home, to lost in the building that Penn State is about to walk into to a MAC team. Yeah. And, you know, even though they did pull out the win, like... Mm-hmm. I'm sure it doesn't really feel like they got a win in that game, especially with, you know, I I think everyone was well aware that they were going to take a step back this year, as you've mentioned, given what they lost. But I I still think most Illinois fans were probably expecting them to at least challenge for the West, especially given how much transition most of the West is in right Mm now. Um, So, yeah, that that couldn't have been a great feeling. I I think the, I I guess if you want to spin a positive, like, 357 yards of offense per game so far for Illinois is not terrible, 
Um, it's not great, but they've been able to at least be pretty balanced as far as the pass and the run goes. Same as Penn State. Both these teams have been very balanced in terms of how they have, you know, gone about their business. Um, we'll get we'll get to this more in a second, but you know, obviously it's the first time Penn State will be on the road. The Penn State defense has been really tough, but they haven't, you know, maybe they haven't faced anybody as good as the Illinois offense yet. Luke Almar is probably the best offensive player that we'll have seen so far. Probably fair to say. Yeah, I, well, the I, I forget his name off the top of my head, the center for West Virginia, but oh, in sure. terms yeah, of skill position Frazier. players, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd say Altmaier, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, something that we're far less conflicted about, though, Bill, is home field apparel. Agreed. Home field apparel, they've been here, they've been our sponsor over here at Roar Lions, where ever since we became a podcast-only medium, we absolutely love working with them. We're very grateful for their partnership with us, um, and we are happy to, you know, give you the rewards of that partnership because if you visit homefieldapparel.com if you go on and enter your very first order with your first whatever email address you're using on there if you use the code rlr23 at checkout you can get 15 percent off of that first order and that order can include really anything bill because they've got t-shirts they've got sweatshirts they've got joggers they've got hats they've got penn state stuff they've got uh, i'm sure they have, do they have illinois stuff i don't actually know off the top of my head probably uh i think they do but i will have an answer to this by the time you're done talking yeah, I mean, we know that they had Delaware stuff. They had West Virginia for talking about past matchups, but pretty much any school you could think of, over 100 different schools they have lines for. Um, really just incredible stuff. You know, we focus on the Penn State stuff here because it's the stuff that's closest to our hearts. You know, we see all those old designs you don't see anywhere else, but they all that same stuff they have for every school. Like, there's a reason that they are so beloved in the college community and, um, I'm sure Illinois is no exception. So if you happen to you know find yourself listening to this as an Illinois fan, please make sure you go check out Homefield Apparel as well. You can use our code. It's okay. We know you're not Penn State fans. You can still use RLR23. It all works the same. Um, so if you are have never ordered on homefieldapparel.com before, please make sure to go and do so. Get 15% off of your first order with that code RLR23. Huge thank you to Homefield Apparel for being partners and sponsors of this podcast. We love working with them. Great people. We'll love to continue that relationship with them. Moving forward, Bill. Question, yes, they do have Illinois stuff. Wonderful. I'm sure it's beautiful. That's a, I love the combination of blue and orange as a color scheme, so I'm sure the stuff is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, that's it, it's the one problem with Penn State like stuff. Not from home field, but like stuff from Nike, stuff from whatever, that like the blue and white is nice. It's yeah. clean. It's classic. It's crisp. But like, these schools like Illinois that have like a, a really unique color, a real vibrant orange in their color scheme, wipe the floor with Penn State yeah. stuff. Which is to say, Penn State soccer did their uh, men. For those of you who have or have not seen it, Penn State's men's soccer put out pink and black jerseys today, and oh my god, they are incredible! I would like to get my hands on them. Home field apparel, please make a pink and black Penn State men's soccer jersey. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, let's get more into this actual game itself here, Bill. We're going to kind of go through, as we normally do, we're going to go through the scenarios in which Penn State loses this game, the scenarios in which Penn State wins this game. We're going to talk about matchups to watch. We're going to make predictions. We're going to give you all the, the Vegas info, the SP plus info, all that stuff. I think we should start on what happens if Penn State loses this game, Bill, because this has been the one that we have had, you know, circled since the off season. Like this was going to be... This is the first game on the schedule that, you know, 
scared us naturally given the recent history of Penn State and Illinois and how you know how strong of a team Illinois was last year um, but also just because you know first road game first Big Ten game gonna be Drew first start on the road like there's a lot of factors going into this that made it look scary and I'm just before before we even go to the what how Penn State loses this game I guess just give me a give me like a vibe check like are you how are you feeling about this game now as compared to how you might have been feeling, let's say, three weeks ago? Um, I'm going to feel great about this game as long as it doesn't go into overtime. And then if it does, I'm going to feel really bad. Um, my serious answer, and th- this is based on having watched Penn State this year and having, you know, watched a little bit of Illinois this year. Obviously not as well-versed in Illinois as I am Penn State, but... A thing that we'll get into is that I think Illinois' path to winning this game is to essentially dominate with their defensive line and then play keep way on offense. And Johnny Newton is going to dominate to some extent in this game. Uh, he's a guy who is going, he, he's going to be, again, he's going to be a first round NFL draft pick. So yeah. that. That part of it is going to exist to an extent, but I don't think they will be they will dominate to the extent that would be required to really throw Penn State's offense off. And then they would need to play keep away. And I'm looking at the numbers from the last couple of games: Illinois against Toledo, two for eight on third downs. They had the ball for 27 minutes, so Illinois had uh, Toledo had the football more than they did. Kansas, they were four for 10 on third down. Kansas had the ball for more than 36 and a half minutes. They were the more penalized team in both of the games they play. So there is the kind of going back to a thing I said a little bit earlier, Nick, there is the idea of what a Brett Bielema team is. Mm-hmm. And that team scares me because that team knows how to pull off an upset, how to you know, have the fundamentals of being able to not let an offense, an opposing team, get into a rhythm. But they haven't been that team this year, and Penn State has been basically, however you slice it, one of the five to ten best teams in college football this year. Closer to five than ten, in my opinion. So, going into this game, I feel really good. What about yourself? Yeah, I I feel... And honestly, I wasn't as worried about this game um, before the season as I feel like... Um, a lot of fans were, but honestly, like just with how good Drew Aller has looked, I like I never was I never questioned how good the defense was going to be. I felt really good about the defense. I felt really good about the run game. So if you're telling me now that they also have a quarterback who can do the things that Drew Aller has already shown that he can do, honestly, it's hard to really feel too bad about any matchup that is not against a team equal in caliber to what we think of this Penn State team, and that would be Ohio State and Michigan, the only other two teams on the schedule that fit that bill. Yeah. So, I like, yeah, it's on the road, and that's that's tough. I'm sure Drew Aller will have a little few extra butterflies in his tummy for this one, but it's I, I don't see a lot of reasons to believe that Penn State you know, should have too much trouble in this one. But you kind of laid out the script already. You said Illinois, you know, their plan for this is to 
play keep away and take advantage of their excellent defensive line and try to use that to bowl over what is a Penn State offensive line that has looked a lot better than we've seen them play in early season um, matchups in the last couple of years. But they, you know, and, and we believe this is probably going to be the best offensive line that James Franklin's had, but, you know, they haven't been perfect necessarily and they haven't played a defensive line nearly as good as Illinois. So you kind of laid out the script there. What do you think actually, like, how do they get away with playing keep away with this Penn State defense? Like, how how are they able to make that a reality and win this game with the way that Penn State has really been able to control pretty much every facet of the game and the two they've played so far? I, I think it involves, I think it, it it's a tough question because... yeah. It's the idea versus the reality. Like, I think the idea of Reggie Love, Josh McRae, three yards in a cloud of dust would be really helpful for them. Yeah. Uh, I think Altmeyer having the kind of game where he's not turning the ball over. Uh, he has three turnovers through his first, or three, uh, interceptions on have fumbles pulled up in front of me with three interceptions through taking eight sacks too yeah that and he's taken eight sacks if not for the fact that illinois has kind of earned respect from penn state fans because if if you if you win a game like the 2021 game the other team is forced to respect you until they knock you off yeah this would have some feelings to me, of one of those late-season games from last year where Penn State is able to just overwhelm an opposing offense and eventually the dam just breaks on defense. But if they're going to play keep away, I think it's by doing a slightly better version of what West Virginia did against Penn State, which, you know, it wasn't it, it wasn't the most effective thing in the world by any stretch the imagination West Virginia only had 308 total yards but you run for about three and a half four yards every time you run it you throw for about six yards every time you throw it you try to avoid turnovers you try to avoid penalties and you basically make it so you are grinding out a win here I just don't know if Illinois despite who their coach is and despite everything we know about them is going to necessarily Nick want to win a football game like that yeah, it they I I agree like that's the formula I agree with the formula you laid out. Like it's it's getting to as many like third and shorts and fourth and shorts as you can and just be willing to say, "Hey, it's third and two. Cool. Let's get two. Like it's mm-hmm. it's be it's being willing to say like I I accept that we're not going to score unless we get inside the 10-yard line and that's fine. Um but I agree like I don't think that like that that is such a hard formula to make good on against a team like Penn State when you are at such a talent disadvantage and not just on one side of the football like the Penn State defense is extremely extremely talented and they're getting reinforcements back this week like yeah West Virginia kind of laid out the script a little bit but the Penn State defense was a bit undermanned and this week there looks sounds like they're going to get Kazai Izzard uh Amin Vanover and Daquan Hardy all back for the defense and that's pretty valuable depth pieces that they didn't have available um especially 
uh, Kazai Izzard, I think, is a huge one because he really beefs up the defensive interior of that line. It's just it it's a like to your point, like I think the it if you're laying it out on paper, like that's the script. But at the same time, if you're Brett Bielema, you have to know that that's just not gonna work. Like you're gonna yeah. have to you're gonna have to bust something at some point, whether it's a a long run by Altmaier on a scramble or like a you know, a bootleg kind of play or something, or you somebody gets somebody gets loose, a cornerback yeah. falls down, something in the open field. Like they're gonna have to take shots, but at the same time, you know, you every time you do that, you are likely greatly lessening your chance to hold on to the football and therefore keep the high power Penn State offense on the field. So it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky balance to strike. I think it's gonna be really difficult for them to find a script that, you know, works and leads to the outcome they're hoping for which why is why i think the next section here is a lot easier to talk about bill and that's what is what does it look like if penn state wins this game i i think it's fairly straightforward but i want to hear from you first yeah they they do what's worked for them i mean the thing that's interesting for me the thing that was has been interesting for me through the first two games of this season is that they flip the order of operations around on me and what i mean by that is I thought against West Virginia, they were going to say, Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, we got a first-time quarterback. Go out there, do your thing. Drew, just survive. Don't make any big mistakes. Next week against Delaware, we'll let you run it up a little bit. Instead, what they did was they went out and in the season opener under the lights against a Power 5 team, not like an insanely good Power 5 team, but a Power 5 team nonetheless, they said, Drew go out there and put on a show. And he went out there and he put on a show. And the next week they decided, okay, now's the week we're going to let K-Tron, we're going to let Nick run their, you know, run it up a little bit. I don't want to say pad their stats because that is such a negative connotation, but I think you understand what I mean when I say that's the game where they're going to be the guys who are showcased. And what that says to me is that they really are not afraid of letting Drew Auer go out there and just play. And if he, they're not afraid of letting him go out there and just play, they should they should be able to go into an 11 a.m. local time kick against a Big Ten West team and just play their game and just put on a show. Trust Drew Auer to not make mistakes. He'll ha- he he will be challenged particularly by that Newton and Randolph combination. That has mm-hmm. to be said, and this is going to be the best test that Penn State's offensive line has had so far. But if he can go out there and they can, can limit the damage those guys are able to do. Illinois' back seven is not the back seven that it was last year. They're not going to be able, I don't think at least, they'll be able to slow down Penn State's weapons as well as they have, uh, as they might have if they played against one another last season. So I think it just looks like the way Penn State's been playing. Auer goes out there, gets in a rhythm, doesn't make any major mistakes. You know, it's a road game. If he turns the ball over a time or two here, I wouldn't be 100% stunned by then, by that. But I just don't know if Illinois is going to have the firepower if Penn State has that level of trust in Drew Aller to go out there and do his thing, especially because he has that running game that he can lean on if things get a little bit hairy for him. Yeah, I, I very much agree that I they they absolutely flipped the script on what I expected as well. I I, I very much thought it was going to be a run game and then pass game those first two games. But uh, like in hindsight, I think what they did actually makes a lot of sense. Like you, yeah. and I think there was probably a little bit of a degree too. Um, like I think Sean Clifford and Mike Yersich proved to be a really good combination. I think 
Clifford's, you know, intimate understanding of what Yurcich wanted to do led to a lot of really positive scenarios. And I think that Mike Yurcich was very happy to have Sean Clifford. But I think there's also a little degree in that first Drew Aller start of like, ooh, I get to play with my new toy now. And I think mm-hmm. he has been looking forward to that, just having Drew Aller's arm at his disposal. But yeah, I, I don't really expect this to look all that different from the West Virginia game, like probably a bit more running the football just because they're on the road and James Franklin on the road tends to be a bit more conservative. But I don't see any reason why they won't just let Drew throw. Like he's proven that he can make plays. And I think there's also like a, there's a, oh, that was a nice blitz. That was loud. There is, I think there's a pretty noticeable effort by them, just like there was the noticeable effort last year to get him ready to play for this year. I think they're using these first couple games to really show him as many different situations and scenarios as they can because they know they can always go back to that run game. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think you can feel comfortable challenging him a bit, even against a better defense like this, because you know if you need to, you can spend an entire drive handing the ball off to Singleton and Allen and probably be just fine. So it's it's a really interesting, you know, scenario that they put themselves in. I think it's it's a really favorable one. I I think what I'm and I'll get to this more when we move into the matchup to watch, but I'm also really interested to see how because I th- I believe Aller's only taken one or maybe two sacks on the year so far. Um, and they've done a lot of stuff with moving the pocket around. I'm really interested to see what they do against the, a significantly better defensive line than what they've seen so far. Um, but on that note, Bill, let's go into our matchup to watch here. I just kind of alluded to mine. I'll come back to it mm-hmm. in a moment. But for you, what is the main thing you're watching in this game? It's the interior of Penn State's offensive line. I guess the interior of Illinois' defensive line. Yeah. I, I, you know, bringing them up again, uh, Illinois has a pair of NFL guys in the heart of their defense in Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph. Newton, last week, despite the fact that Illinois got, uh, you know, they struggled a bit against Kansas, uh, six tackles, I believe, uh, give, give me a second, pulling up how many of them were tackles for loss. Two, six tackles, two of them for loss two sacks he is a game wrecker in the middle of their defense Keith Randolph by no means is a slouch next to him guy is six foot five 300 pounds there is size there is physicality um Newton 6'2 295 in the heart of the Illinois defense this is going to be an excellent test for J.B. Nelson for Hunter Norzad for Sal Wormley for Vega Yolane, for whomever ends up playing at guard and center, especially for Penn State. And if they can handle these guys, this is, I agree, Blitz. If they can handle these guys in the middle of Illinois' defense, that game against Ohio State's defensive line, obviously that's, that's still going to be a difficult test. That game against Michigan's defensive line, those are games I'm. You're suddenly going to feel a little bit better about them, like Penn State. Yeah, uh, you feel a little bit better after watching Aller the first couple of weeks. If they could start bottling up guys like that and re- giving Aller a clean pocket to throw in and giving the running backs lanes to throw to, suddenly you start feeling a little bit better about those later games. And if you do believe the season is just building up to those games, you mentioned tests, Nick. This is an excellent test to see. 
where Penn State's offensive line is against one of the best units they're going to play all season. Yeah, and I think it's really advantageous the way uh, we've talked a lot already about how this how advantageous the schedule is for Penn State. But on the note that you just mentioned, like it's nice that they get to spend this week against Illinois, who has one of the better defensive lines they see. Then next week they get to see Iowa, who has one of you know a more well rounded total defense that they'll see. So it kind of gets like build on it piece by piece here, which uh, it's really really great for Penn State. But yeah, yeah, very much like it's it's not that beating Illinois changes my perspective on the Ohio State Michigan games and other games going forward but if they can right. specifically contain the defensive line to your point then that would be a huge deal especially without you know without Landon Tengwall guy who was presumed to be a notable starter for on that interior this year so um yeah I have the same one it's that that has to be the choice for matchup to watch like that's that's the biggest thing going on in this game like Drew Aller against their secondary he should be fine. The run game against their linebacker should be fine. It really just comes down to that interior against the interior. Yeah. Um, so, Bill. Well, what can can I really quickly say a second one? Of course. For me, Abdul Carter, Curtis mm. Jacobs, going up against a quarterback like Altmeyer and yes. having to just speed him up a little bit. Like, I don't think Altmeyer is some all-world quarterback. I think he's a really nice player completing... 68.5% of his passes for 408 yards. Interceptions and sack problems, yes. He's really eager to run the football. Has a 72-yard uh, run in his back pocket this season. If those guys can bottle him and those guys can keep him from doing much of anything, that's when it starts looking like one of those games from the final month of last season that Penn State played. And it's worth noting, Penn State has not allowed a touchdown when those two guys have been on the field so far this season. When Penn State has allowed touchdowns, it has been when Tyler Elsden and Dom DeLuca have been playing at linebacker. When those two guys are out there, Penn State's defense has been dominant this season. If they can do that again this week, this one has the potential to get ugly. And I think on a similar note to that too, the defensive ends, nice chance for them as mm -hmm. well. Um, we heard plenty of comments in the aftermath of week one against West Virginia talking about how the defensive ends were a bit out of control, uh, denied Dennis Sutton, Chop Robinson, and Adisa Isaac, that is, um, not necessarily doing the greatest job of keeping contain and controlling mm -hmm. the pocket, kind of leaving their defensive tackles out to dry a bit. You can't do that against a guy like Altmaier. Like, you have to accept that, you know, maybe I'm not going to get the perfect speed rush around the end that I'm really going for here, but if I can keep my position and my blocking better maybe we get a sack from the interior but more importantly we don't allow him to escape and bust off of 40 50 yard run something like that because that's like that's really the only thing that can hurt penn state in this game i think in terms of big plays like that's the option um so bill let's talk predictions then vegas right now has this line at penn state minus 14 and a half uh, the over under here is 48 and a half total SP Plus has this as a Penn State 33, Illinois 14 final, which I believe, yes, so that would have Penn State covering just barely. Um, weather looks like it's going to be clear, 67 degrees, pretty warm for a Saturday in Champaign, Illinois, I would imagine. Um, as you know, noon kick, it'll be on Fox for those figuring out where to watch. I, I'll let you go first. Uh, what are you thinking for this one? So here's a really fun stat that I learned about today thanks to fox college football 
Okay. Did you know that Penn State has the most consecutive games in FBS with 30 or more points? I had no idea that yeah, really. Penn State Penn State dating back to uh their game against Northwestern last season, they scored 17, Michigan they scored 17. Since then, 45 against Minnesota, 31 against Ohio State, 45 against Indiana, 30 against Maryland, 55 against Rutgers, 35 against Michigan State, 35 against Utah. Uh, and then, of course, to start this season, their games against West Virginia, they have 38. In Delaware, they have 63. So wow. I think Penn State keeps that. I think Penn State is able to extend that streak into 30-plus points for the 10th game in the uh, on the year. I think this ends something like 31 to 10, uh, maybe 31 to 13. I think Illinois has some pro is going to have some problems going up against a Penn State team that I don't necessarily think is going to rotate as much as we've seen them in the early games this season. Yeah. I think we're going to see them start to sharp tighten up their rotations on defense, especially after last week when, you know, it. it it, it, they just didn't have to play guys a ton of snaps. I think we're going to see a lot of Penn State's ones on both sides of the football. That's going to lead to Penn State on offense, being able to move the ball, put up points against a, a defense that they're going to struggle with against up front a little bit, but they're going to be able to move the ball against when they're not struggling with those guys. And an offense that, aside from a couple of big chunk plays, I just don't know how they can consistently move the ball. So something like, uh, Penn State 31, Illinois 13 sounds right to me. Yeah, I think the point about the lack of rotations, the way we saw the first two weeks is a good one. I think there's a couple factors in that. One, like you said, a lot of the starters, especially on defense, really didn't have to play all that much a week ago. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's also the factor of, you know, this is a road game, so you you don't have as many guys on the sideline to begin with. Um but then I also, I think just because of the way the schedule's laid out here, you have at Illinois, you're back home against Iowa, you're on the road at Northwestern, and then you have your bye week. So you only have three games until you get a whole week off here. I think it's a good time for them to really, you know, start to push the starting defense and the starting offense, the starting offensive line, um, to stay on the field longer and longer, um, you know, in order to help get them, continue to get them conditioned and ready for later in the season, like... Ohio State, Michigan, when they're going to need those guys on the field as much as possible. So, I think this is a this is a really good first chance for them to push that playing time envelope a bit more. Um, mm -hmm. And I also think we're probably done with seeing like Tyler Elson and Dom DeLuca on the field at the same time at this point. Like I think it's you will only see one of them out there with two other starters at this point. So, um, very much agree with that. I think that this one ends up something like Penn State. 34 or 37 to 10. I agree with the 10. I think Illinois will find a touchdown some way. And then I could see them getting maybe a field goal late, something like that. I, I just don't think this is ever going to be much in doubt. I, I, I guess I could see like a first quarter, you know, Penn state seven, Illinois seven or seven, nothing, seven, three, something like that. But I just don't think it's going to stay too close for too long. I just think that the talent discrepancy this year between these teams is just too big. And I don't, I haven't seen enough from Illinois to back off of thinking that that matters here. I think we've seen too much good from Penn state and too much questionable from Illinois to really think 
anything other than that. So um, I'll, I'll settle on Penn State 37, Illinois 10. So we both have Penn State covering the line. We both have Penn State. Um, I'll see. You said you said 30, 31, 31. 10. So yeah. I think you. So you'd fall short of the. You'd fall short of the forty-eight and a half, and I would. I would be over on that. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch. I think. I yeah. I just. I think overall, this is a really great chance for Penn State to continue to prove that what they're doing is is working. I think this is this is a great matchup for them at this point in the season. I think it's perfectly timed. I think it's going to be a a good mid afternoon for our Nittany Lions. Any final thoughts here on this one? Uh, no, nothing really. I mean, they, um, I, I don't know if there is a better way to start big 10 play. If you want to get a little bit of a challenge, but a game that you should be able to win comfortably that having to go into the central time zone against Illinois and play them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be stunned if this game is something like, 14-7, 17-7 at halftime at Penn State just ends up pulling away at the end. But I I feel a lot better about this game going into it now, Nick, than I think I would have that that I would have at any point during the offseason. I, I how sure. how concerned were you about this one going into the offseason? Like during the offseason? I mean some I just knowing what they lost, especially Devin Witherspoon, go Hawks. Um, I, I, it was hard for me to be too concerned. I guess no, I wouldn't say any more concerned. I wouldn't wasn't any more concerned about Illinois than Iowa or even Maryland. Like I, th- I think all three of those games were kind of synonymous in my mind. Um, the fact that this one was on the road, you know, made it maybe a bit more oh. scary in the timing of the season, but. I, I definitely agree that I feel better. Like it's, it, it was definitely more of a question mark, just not knowing exactly what Drew Aller would look like, and we still don't know exactly what Drew Aller is going to look like. To be clear, there's a whole lot of season left, but what we've seen so far looks pretty darn good. So I, I feel, I definitely feel better about it, but I wasn't overly concerned. I would say. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Speaking of us, actually, before we get out of here, just because it is the Big Ten opener, and we know what that means, Penn State's on the road. Franklin made his little comment about it in this presser. I don't think you and I have ever talked about this. Do you care about Penn State opening on the road? What is it, 13 out of 14 years now in big, if for a Big Ten play? Um, I do, but only because it's not balanced out with Penn State ending every season at home. Mm-hmm. I think... I think it's only fair if you're going to make a team start on the road, you should let them end at home. And I think conversely, if you're letting a team start at home, they should end on the road. Like it's a it's a very like Premier League way of thinking <laughs> about this. Uh, but yeah, I think if you're going to basically start off, what is essentially it is the most important part of your schedule. Like yeah. for as much as the non-con mattering would, I guess, be nice. Like teams and Penn State's a very good example of this has started to figure out ways to game the non-conference to maximize their odds of making the playoffs, competing mm-hmm. for a championship, that sort of thing. Um, and over the years, Penn State has always had to deal with this one specific thing and hasn't had it reciprocated in yeah. any way. And I think that's just where my only problem goes in. But like generally, no, uh, because... God, what is even Penn State's record in their uh, Big Ten opener over the 
over the years. Oh, they won well, at they, Purdue. There's they lost one. to Indiana. They won at Wisconsin, lost at Indiana, 2019, uh, kicked the Is hell Maryland? out of Maryland. Yeah. 2018, uh, kicked the hell out of Illinois. Actually, that's interesting. Penn State in 2018 started their season at Il- uh, Big Ten State at Illinois, won 63 to 24. Uh, 2017, uh, 2119 went over Iowa, the famous game with a walk off touchdown. Uh, 2016, uh, got their teeth kicked in by Michigan. And the 25th final two, uh, started the Franklin season, Franklin era. 2015 was the year they started at home. And then 2014, uh, they start with that gross 13 10 win against Rutgers, where Gary Nova throws a ball five yard pass on scrimmage. So I, I, I guess 20, that's the other 2016, side. 2016, the first Big Ten game of the year was that Michigan game. Yeah, they started wow. the season. Uh, give me a second. My my computer is acting stupid right now. I, started I the season they started against, two and two that year. Started against Kent State, uh, lost at Pitt, uh, barely pulled it out against Temple, uh, beat Michigan. Uh, we got kicked, got their teeth kicked in Michigan, then beat Minnesota, which uh, started off the rest of the season. But yeah, Penn State's Penn State for all the belly aching that Franklin does, and I do understand where he's coming from with it. Uh, they, you know, it's gener- they've generally won that game over the years. Yeah. Has Franklin has Franklin really complained about it all that much? I know Kraft went on his media spree about it last year. I feel like Franklin hasn't said as much. I don't think he's been as explicit, but I think it's a thing or two. um, I think that's a thing or two that he's mentioned. No, yeah, uh, he's definitely mentioned it for sure. I don't. It's the man's about optics. I'm sure he knows that and understands. He's definitely said it before, Um, but. You know what? Maybe this will be the last time in a while that happens. You know, there's going to be a whole big schedule realignment for next year with all the teams joining the conference. So if they like they this is as good of an excuse as any next year for them to finally let Penn State open at home because it's all such a blank slate right now. So (laughs) if they honestly, it would be pretty hilarious that they put them on the road again, (laughs) because at that point, it's just spiteful. Yeah. And and in his uh, opening statement at his uh, press conference on Tuesday, Franklin said, uh, we go to Illinois, which is tradition around here, opening on the road in the Big Ten. <laughs> I, I thought I saw something like that from him. I was going to remember oh, what it was. I love Petty James. It's my absolute favorite. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for here. Uh, I do that every time. I think that's going to do it for us here tonight at Roar Lions Roar. Um, once again, myself and Bill both have Penn State winning this game on the road to Illinois. Bo- we both have them covering the 14 and a half point spread. Um, overall, we think this is going to be a, you know, maybe seemingly tricky at times, but overall should be a pretty comfortable Penn State victory. Um, If you have not done so already, please make sure you visit homefieldapparel.com. Use that code RLR23 at checkout for 15% off. And if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, please make sure you do so. Leave us a like, leave us a five-star review if you can. If you have any questions you want us to answer on the podcast, please continue to leverage that Spotify Q&A feature. Super handy, super easy to check, or you can always tweet at us as well. Um, And if you are watching us on YouTube, YouTube, please make sure you like this video, subscribe, and hit the alert bell so you don't miss any of our new content. Once again, I know I said this the other day, like I like I mentioned, I'm going to try to post more videos than just this full podcast. Not a promise, but I'm going to try. For myself, Nick Pollock, for my co-host, Bill DeFilippo, thanks everybody for watching. Thanks everybody for listening. Go State.